it's like we finally have a solution. Yeah. With all these podcasts, how does one keep up? What are you not glad you asked? Welcome to the week in podcasting. Thank you very much. Smith Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. Smith Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. Smith Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. The week in podcasting. And welcome to episode 11 of the week in podcasting as we approach the Dirty Dozen. My name is Seth Everett. She is Val Riley, and we have the return of Jeff Adams this week. Jeff, first of all, we'll start with you. Welcome back. How was the Hawaii trip? Uh, I wish I was in Hawaii. I really wish I was in Hawaii, dealing with what I had to deal with last week, but uh, I'm glad to be back. I was really looking forward to uh, getting on this thing and uh, doing the show with you guys. It was something to look forward to. Well, it's the ah, theater nice. of the mind. So, you know, I told all our followers that we were in Hawaii. So, okay, we, we, can, we can go with the, we can go with an alternative. <laughs> he basically lives in Hawaii like place. So. Right. Right. That's right. That's like, uh, yeah, I, I can understand that. Um, Val, uh, yeah. a lot of things going on in the news and I have to, uh, I have to ask on your mom instincts. I have to lean on your mom instincts. We do a lot of podcasts today. We're going to be showcasing a podcast called Mom Cave Live. Um, my daughter is in second grade, and she does current events. Now, I want to state for the record that I was solo parenting when this issue happened, but uh, the teacher gave them a bunch of kid websites. I'm not giving out the websites because I don't want to throw them under the bus but it's a bunch of kid-friendly websites. These are not CNN.com. This is not the New York Times. These are kid-friendly websites. They are supposed to go on these websites, find a story, and write a little summary of it. Mm-hmm. My daughter chose Paris. Oh, It was on okay. there. When was this? It was on there. It was Monday. It was Monday. Oh. She chose Paris. She wrote it all up. I did not encourage it. I did not suggest it. I didn't stop her. I incur, you know, once she suggested it, I said, all right, we have to phrase it certain ways. The teacher saw what she had written and asked her not to read it out loud in class. I'm not. The two questions are number one. I don't think my daughter did anything wrong. And I did want to bring up Paris and I thought I would do it in this way. I do think that we all have a responsibility to tell our kids. Now, Val, your kids are too young. I have a four-year-old that's too young. I don't know the ages, Jeff, of your kids, but I'll go to Val first. What is the responsibility? Is it a school's responsibility or a parent's responsibility to discuss traumatic issues like that? Uh, It's a very good question. I mean, I would say it's mostly the parent's responsibility because they are the parents, you know, but I think... In certain situations, it should also be addressed in the school. Um, I'm dealing with kind of a similar thing, not Paris, but um, something happened to one of Ellie's classmates, and she's going to be in the hospital for a while. And Ellie is two, right? My daughter is two. And so the conversation, and some of the kids saw this accident happen. So some of the kids are talking about it at school. Some of the kids have no idea. The parents all kind of had this meeting like, 
do we tell our kids? Do we not tell our kids? Our kids already know. But, you know, kids know something's going on, I guess is my point. Like, even if they haven't seen the articles on Paris, even if they didn't, you know, see this horrific accident, they still know, you know, kind of something's going on. They overhear parents talk about it. They overhear adult conversations. So I think, like, it is important if you get the sense that your child is, you know, acting differently or, um, um, you know, processing through something, to talk to them about it in an age-appropriate way. And I think that's where it gets kind of tricky and how teachers can help, you know, because they know a lot about specific ages and, you know, what they're capable of understanding and processing through and not. So I would say it's kind of a joint effort, but it mostly falls, should fall on the parents um, because, you know, each parent is going to want to give their child probably different information, um, you know, based on knowing their own kid the best. So I think it kind of depends. But what did your daughter write that the teacher didn't want her to read out loud? She supposedly the teacher. I emailed the teacher because I all I wanted to defend her on. I I wasn't fighting with the teacher. I like this teacher. I wanted her to know that we found it on their recommended recommended websites. Mm -hmm. I wasn't I wasn't showing her the news i wasn't showing her the horrific stuff i was doing it on a kid-friendly website that she basically followed the instructions there wasn't an instruction she she did she found it on there so i just wanted that clear i felt bad only because my daughter thinks she did something wrong and i i I could not stress to her enough i was very proud of her i thought she handled it very well the one thing i changed in her verbiage was she wrote uh bad people killed a lot of people I wrote bad people hurt a lot of people. I don't need to have my daughter explain to other kids what the word kill means. Yeah. And what happened right. was when she, when it started out with Paris, one kid shouted in the class, apparently what happened in Paris? The teacher was like, that's not the way a kid should find out. Yeah. So right. She, she, so the teacher didn't do nothing wrong. She, no. My daughter did nothing wrong. I thought, no. nope. But I do think, you know, it's Monday after the Friday happens. I had already done a podcast with somebody in Paris, which I do want to talk about. I, I, it's, it was four days old. Tell your kids. I, I don't know. I, I, and I'm not saying it preachy. I'm saying it like I was surprised that that would be the reason she couldn't do the current event. Right. Well, you know, the thing about current events is that they change currently, you know what I mean? And so on Friday, that wasn't an issue. By Monday, it was like the teacher, I think, had to be protective of the whole class. And even though your daughter did nothing wrong and did the assignment and, you know, I think, how old is she? Seven? I think seven might be you know, you might need to discuss some parts of that on some level if they're aware of it. Um, but, you know, some parents still might. I mean, seven can be really young, too. And so I think the teacher did the right thing. I think your daughter did the right thing, too. I just think it was a situation of current events change currently, and that can be tricky. You forgot, Seth, you also forgot to introduce our special podcasting guest today, which is the raccoon hanging out by my window that I just tweeted about. Well, it's an audio podcast, so I didn't think that the raccoon could be helpful. When you and I did a video show, the raccoon had a much greater role. Well, if I all of a sudden scream, I just want it to be explained why that might happen. Because if he walks by my window again, you're definitely going to hear an eek. So I just want to explain myself beforehand. Disclaimer. And by the way, by the time people are listening to this, the raccoon has already been taken away. (laughs) 
Hopefully. Oh God, no. My husband is actually home right now. Snuffleupagus is in the building and he's about to leave on a business trip. And so I, if anything's going to happen with this raccoon, I want it to happen like in the next five to 10 minutes. <laughs> Hold the phone, get him on the podcast. What are, what are we doing here? No, he's, he's trademarked. He does not, <laughs> he does not want me to comment on his likeness or involve him in these shenanigans in any way. He doesn't exist. I he's understand. He's an upstanding citizen. He doesn't need to be involved in this. In proves this my point proves my point completely <laughs> completely <laughs> all right uh we'll get back to some of the headlines let's get to some of the podcasts that we're going to be highlighting don't forget this show we expose the listening audience to the many different choices you, you have in podcasting one of the key points that i think we've mentioned in the past about podcasts and it's something i spoke to some students about i was speaking at a university and i i brought up podcasts when you list, think about traditional radio you're competing against each other. If you're a music station, you're trying to play the song that will get you know people's lit to listen. Talk radio is the same way. Podcasts aren't. If you like Jeff Adams' podcast, if you like Seth Everett's podcast, if you like this one, if you like any of the ones we're featuring, download them all. Listen to them at your leisure. Listen to them on your own time. We're not competing. I don't want to ever think I want you to download mine instead of somebody's. The, ch- the change in podcasting, the reason why podcasting is different, and I find it fascinating, we're not competing against other shows. I find that to be the uniqueness about podcasts that are, there's nothing that competes with that. Television's not like that. Movies aren't like that. They're all competing for the dollar. That's very true. I know that some people like, you know, I'm just going to go with the busy mom aspect because that's my whole shtick, right? The busy mom does not have (laughs) the ear capacity to listen to every single podcast. So in that situation, I do request that you download ours and only ours and just listen to this one. (laughs) Today on the show, we are talking about the amazing Colossal podcast. That's a title in which they have an interview with the one, the only Chevy Chase. We'll hear that in a moment. We'll also hear something called the True Murder Podcast. That title speaks for itself. And then, of course, Val's favorite, Mom Cave Live, which is not necessarily live because it's a clip, but we will hear from the Mom Cave indeed. Um, But I also want to tell one quick story about a podcast that I want to recommend. I don't try to be self-serving. As a matter of fact, the last couple of episodes, I forgot to even mention that I have my own podcast. I had a friend who was in Paris on Friday night. Sam Borden, who's a writer for the New York Times, he is a sports reporter out there covering European sports. And he was he was home with his wife and two little daughters. He was home when the attacks happened. He wound up covering this event where he found out the details about the soccer game. You guys have all seen the news. You know about the soccer game. The decision that the coaches made, the coaches were told at halftime about what was going on. But because the government needed the streets to be cleared so that rescue vehicles could get to the various locations in what was was in one space, a live hostage situation, they couldn't let the 40,000 fans leave the stadium. They had to not tell the players and keep the players going. They were trying to see if there was a way they could jerry rig overtime to keep the fans in the stadium. Now, here's where the story gets a little complicated, and this is why the podcast is amazing. One player lost his cousin. Another player had a sister in the nightclub. She got out. 
did you do a disservice to those players? It's a sports topic. It's not, well, look, we're not talking about the terrorists here, but I found the conversation to be amazing. I, I interviewed him from France and he was great. And it's on my sports with friends podcast. You can find it on blog talk radio. I couldn't get enough. I did nothing to make that podcast. Great. I was not a part of it. It's just this guy. Sam Borden from the New York Times. Follow him on Twitter. It really is a fascinating discussion and a fascinating debate. That sounds like a really interesting conversation. There we go. I got two. All right. <laughs> Let's get to the amazing Colossal Podcast, which is part of the Sideshow Network. Gilbert Gottfried. Yes, Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, yes! I know him as the voice of... Uh, Mr. Mixoplick on the Superman animated series. He sits down do. for a memorable and rare interview with uh, Saturday Night Live uh, writer, original cast member Chevy Chase, who reminisces about co-stars Dan Aykroyd, Randy Quaid, Rodney Dangerfield, reveals why he, t- why he turned down iconic roles in Animal House, Ghostbusters, American Beauty, and Forrest Gump. Also, he reprimands Desi Arnaz, roughs it up with Bill Murray, and rides a roller coaster with Eddie Bracken and runs afoul of Cary Grant. Let's listen in. You felt like you left Saturday Night Live too fast. Well, no, I I didn't run. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe too early is what you you think you meant. Yeah, too early. But um, um, I... I felt I didn't feel it immediately because there were so many other things happening. For one thing, there was a girl that I uh, wanted to marry and was in love with who would not leave L.A., which was a good clue to Lauren and others that she was a nut. And that, uh, you know, <laughs> you know but I didn't take their word for it. And I married her. We, it lasts about eight months. And <laughs> that was it. Me and SNL. It was over. But I so I was there really the first uh, the first year and, and a month or something, and um, uh, you know in retrospect of course uh, and and back back some time uh, and up to now I felt uh, yeah what why did I do that I mean it, you know I, there was no way to know it having been the first year of Saturday Night Live where it was going or what was going to happen I had a sense. That what we had done that year was um, certainly partly partly what I wanted to do with it, which was uh, make it political satire. This was a time when Jimmy Carter uh, was running uh, against um, against Mondale what? against uh, against uh, President Ford, right? And I'm uh, a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, liberal, etc. Let me just add that on meeting President Ford and spending time with him and him driving me and my wife around his city. Uh, he was a swell, really good guy, but not a presidential, uh, not as presidential as Jimmy th- thought he was. So uh, in any case, uh, it was a, it was a good thing for me because I, I was a writer. I was hired as the head writer uh, that that first portion I mean, it, it was, went back and forth every couple of weeks to Michael O'Donoghue and others who were terrific writers. And uh, But uh, he put me on the air, and uh, I loved it. I loved this acting, and, uh, you know, I, I felt no qualms about it because earlier on I had done um, underground television in New York City 
uh, labeled Channel One. Yeah, we were talking about that. You, yeah. did, it, you did it here down at, in, the, in the village. Yes, down East, at, at, at East uh, 62 Street. East 4th Street. Yeah. You and Ken Shapiro. And yeah, that's right. That's right. And Lane Saracen. Saracen. Yeah, and Victor Langer uh, and Richard Allen. But, I mean, basically it was a Ken Shapiro thing. And uh, Since he's an ass, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that didn't last for me. And when you were playing Ford, you were always falling down. Yes. On the show. Yes, yes. And one time, what was the weird injury you had one time when you fell down? Oh, well, you know, let's, well, <laughs> just to step back, I mean, <laughs> uh, Ford t- tended to slip here and there. Yeah, he one fell of the, down. One the of the great ones yeah. was coming out of the plane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Betty. Oh, yeah. And, he, and uh, they were walking down the steps, uh, the president and his wife. And, he, and his head just disappeared from frame. <laughs> so <laughs> that pretty much settled it. And but you know, um, you know, I had to make use of that and uh, make use of the whole concept of him being clumsy, which I believe he was around. You know, like I, what? What are these wires? You know, what, what, we're we're going to the Oval Office, sir. These are the wires because you're going to record us. Well, I oh, you know, he was he just was a little bit frightened of things. <laughs> so what was the question? So there you have it, the iconic Chevy Chase who does not mince words about anything. You can listen to the full interview at sideshownetwork.tv slash Gilbert dash Godfried dash Chevy dash Chase or subscribe to the amazing Colossal Podcast on iTunes. That is a lot easier. Leave a review and let them know you heard the podcast here on the Week in Podcasting. Chevy Chase, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. I love Chevy Chase. Well, I didn't think that I would like a podcast that involves Gilbert Godfrey's voice. <laughs> I have to say that, um, you know, I love, a, I love a podcast that interviews cool celebrities like Chevy Chase and gets the inside stories on stuff. He tells some good stories, and I and you gotta love any story that like casually drops presidents' names, and he's like, "Yeah, he's all right in real life," you know. Yes. Why would you like to listen to my voice? <laughs> I don't understand. Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert I Godfrey. Know. I uh, I love the politics that were around Saturday Night Live, even from its yeah. infancy. It was it was never it was never not political there. Those are typically my favorite skits to watch too, are the political ones and the weekend update. No, but I meant the the inner office politics, like the, oh. the, the stuff between them. You're you're right. There, the topical humor is always uh, the best. Weekend updates, my favorite segment of of them all, and I adore Michael Che. Uh, Michael Che, not that the other guy's not great, but Michael Che is hysterical. He was on a show. Do you guys remember the show best <laughs> best week uh, best week ever? You guys remember that show? Yes. VH1 no. did it the best week ever. Michael Che oh, was, yeah. was on Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I, and that's how I remember him. And I just remember, like, nobody watched that show. But clearly you two did. So I that's missed great. that show. I like that I show. Know. I know. It's how I found uh, Melissa Rausch and Nick Kroll and uh, so many. Paul, yeah, Paul F. Tompkins was on there. A bunch of great comedians. But uh, it, it's it's great. It's great to hear Chevy Chase. It's great to hear the stories about Chevy Chase and how he left Community. Yeah, you know the the guy who uh, was the star of Community, Joel McHale. He's the guy on on E Network. Uh, he told a story about how he got nose to nose and almost challenged Chevy Chase to a fist fight. Oh my god! Like, I, 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 I would love to hear Chevy's story, like you know Chevy's uh, story about that because uh, 
it was it, Joel McHale. And I, I want to say it was on a podcast. I want to say it was on a NPR podcast that I heard uh, Joel McHale uh, talking about uh, being on. It might have been with Aisha Tyler. Uh, she does oh, that yeah. podcast. Um, girls, girl on girls guy. Guys. Yeah. 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 Uh, Joel McHale well, you know, was a guest in there. Well, you know, weird thing about it is, you know, I think it was like maybe a few years back, maybe, maybe even five. They did, a, you know, the uh, roast of Chevy Chase. A lot of people were saying a lot of his friends didn't even show up. a lot, And they had to, like, invite people to roast Chevy Chase. And, like, Steve Martin and Martin Short did something via video. They didn't even show up to the roast. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> it, it's it's an interesting thing. There's, it's got The guys had a lot of controversy and he doesn't seem to miss mince words so uh it, it seems like old chevy chase is a far cry from young chevy chase right <laughs> just seems like a different it seems like a different guy it, it, it it's it's pretty fascinating uh but you can find that go to itunes and just uh when you review uh the podcast uh, just make sure you mention that you heard it on the weekend podcasting the sideshow network and the amazing colossal podcast all spoiled correctly so yes. uh, all right we're off and running. Gilbert Godfrey does the interview. I love it. Um, yeah, he was Mr. Mitzelplick in uh, Superman. So once again, you can find the uh, sideshownetwork.tv, Gilbert Godfrey and Chevy Chase. And yes, Gilbert Godfrey, the voice of Mr. Mitzelplick on S- Superman. I, I can't not get that out. All right. Yes. It is time for the <laughs> True Murder Podcast. I don't even want to listen to this clip. Uh, true murder that's right every week their host dan zapansky will interview the authors that have written the most shocking killers of all time uh for example in this clip today you'd call Ballantine suburban but back then at the start of the summer of 1966 it was country just a cluster of houses some of them shacks on or near Ballantine road in the town of chile new york But while June 25th started like any other day, it would end in a nightmare. In The Devil at Genesee Junction, veteran crime writer Michael Benson returns to his formerly rural hometown to take on the double homicide of his friends, Kathy Bernhard and George Ann Formicola, that took place last night. Let's listen in. There was some witness testimony from some picnickers around that area at that time that yeah. evening. And of course you, as a investigative journalist and a, a, along with your, with Tubman, the private investigator, you have to look at everything and eliminate everybody before you can zero in on anyone. So it's also that process. So well, there, there, what was, there is no shortage of suspects. I mean, what we found was this horrible cluster of, of pedophiles in my neighborhood. It was, it was a poor neighborhood. My dad had, uh, he was an insurance adjuster, and we lived in the city of Rochester, and he wanted to move to the country and, and have a little patch of land. He knew nothing about where he was moving in terms of the, the, the demographics. But it, it was a poor area uh, that only recently had been inhabitable because the Mount Morris Dam had been built. Had been built. And before that, the land flooded, and you couldn't live there. So the first people to move in were almost experiments to see if <laughs> make sure nobody drowned in the, when the spring melt came, and then when that was determined that that didn't happen, other people well better means moved in. But there were you know there were lots of shacks with without houses, and uh, just in in on Kathy Street, I think we counted five different 
men who had histories of being sex criminals. They were either uh, you know uh, exposers or child rapists or just uh, generally pervy guys. It's, it's, a, it's a, a little, little bit scary. Again, I you know, wow, glad I'm a boy. So, in, in that regard, when with the when I mentioned about the picnicker and that eyewitness testimony, who did that lead to in terms of for the police? And again, you you talk oh. about in the book about bloodhound searches yeah. and then house to house searches in uh, Scottsville, I believe, and Bannatine. So. Well, well, yeah, the, the initial suspect was a fellow by the name that we're calling Jack Starr. And I'm, I'm changing these names to protect the families, not the guys. Um, right. Because I got cooperation from uh, brothers and, and kids, and generally the families of, of, of these people helped a lot. But I, I don't want them to necessarily get the, the notoriety that they don't deserve. So we're calling him Jack Starr. And he was George Ann's boyfriend. And he'd been seen with Jordan and Kathy back by the swimming hole just a few hours before their disappearance. Now, the thing that the complicating factor here that I haven't brought up yet is that when Jordan was 13 years old, she became pregnant. And uh, she, uh, she had a child. The child was put up for adoption. And it was generally assumed that Jack Starr was the father. But... During our investigation, we learned that, first of all, you know, the monster whose, whose name in the book is Clint Wilson had been you know, going up and down the road raping every you know, adolescent female who didn't have a dad with a loaded shotgun pointed at him. First of all, I want to suggest that the transition from Chevy Chase to True Murder is one of the more unique transitions we have ever made uh, on this show. Uh, <laughs> please keep submitting your podcast suggestions to theweekinpodcasting at gmail.com. Um, you know, you could say all you want about, you know, trying to uncover, you know, cold cases and, you know, books that are written about cases. I mean, I think we have to bring up the fact that podcasts are probably now the future of audio, considering what happened with Serial. And the idea, I don't know if we've discussed this on this show, I know I've discussed it on other shows, uh, that the, the, the show Serial, which is the number one downloaded podcast of all time, was about a, a kid who was convicted in 1999 for killing his, his high school girlfriend. And there's a chance he's going to get a new trial. And there's a chance he's going to get out this year. Not this year, meaning 2015, 2016. Uh, that's not what this is. This is, seems to be a closed case as opposed to an open case. I, I, I don't, I'd have to hear more to, to know the difference. But I do find it fascinating that these are real cases. These are real things that happen. And there is a huge audience for this. So, uh, yes, it doesn't transition from Chevy Chase, but there's a legit thing that goes on with these murder cases. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think we're all just a little shocked from the information in that podcast. Um, but no, I mean, people love to listen to, you know, these old cases and, and, and in a way, these stories need to be told too, at least, you know, if not for cautionary 
I mean, precautionary, if nothing else. Like- you can find the True Murder podcast <laughs> by subscribing on iTunes, uh, or you can find them at blogtalkradio.com slash dan-zupansky, Z-U-P-A-N-S-K-Y. It's tough stuff. It's 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 definitely uh, tough topics and, and a very interesting one indeed. All right, let's get to uh, Mom Cave Live, which is not live. Uh, it was live at one point. It's not live anymore. Here's the description. It's like Wayne's World for moms. Don't watch Mom this Cave. in front of the kids. <laughs> On Mom Cave Live, funny moms talk about motherhood. Nominated for an IAWTV award. It's also a podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and soon Google Play. In this clip, MILF, yep, I said it, is our acronym for Mom I'd Like to Friend. Because finding mom friends is hard. Meet Carrie Riley, the hilarious comedian behind NotSoSkinnyMom.com. It's so hard to find good mom friends. Why, for the love of God, is it so hard? Well, I'm exhausted. You know, yeah. once once you have kids, it's like, uh, who could do what for me just to make my day easier? Is that terrible? Yeah, that's not so conducive to friend making, right? No, that doesn't work for friend making. It's supposed to be selfless. And uh, you know what, though? I think actually I find it easy to make mom friends because it's moms at the school. Yeah. You know, but it's just hard to find time to put to date the mom, you know. Yeah, I think a a component of a good mom friend has to be like, they're not going to get pissed if you don't return their text ever, um, or you don't see them for months at a time, because that's like how our lives are. These are the rules. These are rules of mom dating. You you know, we we get that. We understand it. Like, I have a lot of um, friends who don't have children. And uh, they, they'll call me, like, you know, right during the time where it's insane. So the bewitching is what, three to eight? Right. Hey, I just want to tell you about my day and this, have this. I'm like, I can't. I can't. They're like, oh, why? Like, they don't get it. I'm like, yeah, oh, then you feel like a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I recently had that experience with my little sister who just became a mom. And we always talked on the phone all the time, like several times a day. And so for the past five years, when I've been a mom and she hasn't, I've been feeling crappy because I just hit ignore, ignore. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. My sister actually has older kids who are on their own with their friends doing their thing. And now, you know, she has time to talk, whereas I don't have time to talk. And when her kids were little, I was hot and single in the city and I didn't have time to talk. So it's coming full circle. Val, do you want to take that? (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, these women are hitting a little a little too close to home. It's so... So exactly what they say. Um, I love a good, honest podcast. And I have to say, like, when you become a mom, you do kind of become a sucky friend, like specifically to other friends that may not be moms. Um, And I would include guys in that because I have guy friends and I have friends that aren't moms. And you kind of disappear to them a little bit, not because you want to, but because you don't have like the availability to like, you know 
shoot the S anymore in the way that you did before. Um, and I also think just parenting in general kind of makes you a rude person. Like I always feel like we're either like uncomfortably early, annoyingly late, like can't, like if your kids are around, you can't really like have a genuine conversation. I've like in the last couple months, I've seen the same group of friends over and over, but it's always been with our kids. And I swear there's like one conversation that we get a little bit more further into every time we see each other in like five minute increments while our kids are busy doing other stuff. And then it gets, you know, discontinued, you know, for the next time. So, um, yeah, I totally agree with what they're saying. I, most of my current mom friends are people that I've met through, my daughter, either through my mom's group at the playground, friends of friends, or now with her preschool. And I'm lucky that, you know, I seem to really like all of these mom friends that I'm meeting, but I know other moms that like, you know, this is your kind of your whole world. And then you don't become, you don't like these people and you're like, oh no, what did I do? And that's why people say like during the preschool tours, at least around here, like make you're dating the school too. Like make sure that you like the school as much as you think the school will be good for your child because these are the people that you're going to have to spend your hours with. I don't know. Don't you guys feel that way as dads? Look, my only, my only issue is it's such a commitment to become part of your kid's life. Um, I do. I crave um, camaraderie with some other parents. Uh, you know, we, yeah. I, we went out to dinner the other day with a couple. How do we know them? Our kids are in the preschool class together. That's how, that's how we know them. I have met people I've liked. Um, but there's a sense of loyalty that we have to have. Whereas, you know, you, you can't have the same friends all the time because you're doing different things. I don't speak to old coworkers because they don't have kids. They're not in that life you know, cycle that I'm in. We don't have the same things to relate to. And your time is so limited because yeah. every time you want to go out, it's a babysitter or you're leaving mm-hmm. your spouse at home. You know, unless you do it, unless you live it, you can't comment on it because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard, and I'm not complaining. Definitely. It's 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 fun. It. I don't want to sound like I'm 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 a, I'm cranky about it. I'm. It's fine. It's just, it's difficult. Yeah, no, it's just the new reality. And like those moms were saying, like, you know, there's just not as much time. And like, you know, the evening when it's, I find that with my friends at work too, like they are trying to call me on their drive home. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm trying to make a dinner with a screaming child right now. Like I cannot talk. You feel bad about it. Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely tough. Even if, I think for men too, um, and we were a lot wired the same in that regard, when you have a family and you got a job, you got obligations, it's hard to find people that are on your time schedule to do things with or to talk on the phone or Skype or whatever. I mean, it's just, it's very, very difficult uh, to add. I met these ladies on the red carpet in Vegas. They're very nice ladies. Okay. I, I interviewed them. I interviewed them uh, on the red carpet in Vegas at the, uh, the award ceremony there. It was, it was a really good time, but uh, what is a mom cave? Seriously. <laughs> I, I think the whole man cave thing is so lame, honestly. Like, if you're going to create a cool room that has a bar and a TV, guess what? I would like that, too. <laughs> so I don't think – I think the man cave okay. thing is is a weird, sexist thing. Um, you know, if I were to design my mom cave – well, a lot of – what have you seen these, like, little sheds in the backyard? They're calling them something. I don't know. She sheds or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> where like you know you're turning your shed into like this place where you can go have a, I don't know what 
was the stereotype a spa experience or something or go <laughs> drink your wine I mean, that does actually sound kind of lovely so maybe i would like a she shed and i would like a man cave i'm putting those all on the list but i will say so i have a funny story it was just recently a while back halloween right and to your guys's point like you tend to become friends and make plans with you know whatever so we were invited to a halloween party that was not a kid-friendly Halloween party, right? And we were going with our other friends who our kids are friends. That's how we met them. And so we all got babysitters and it was like our, you know, big night out. We got to like get dressed up and, you know, have this fun adult Halloween. And the day before we were at an event for my kids' preschool. And I think we were a little like too overexcited and kept describing it as an adult Halloween party. (laughs) And I think people thought we were going to something different than just a party. That, and no kids. Like, I think they thought we were like, you know, going to hand our keys in at the door or something. Like we got a couple looks and I was like, oh, we should stop describing it like that. We were a little too excited. <laughs> you can check out Mom Cave Live on the website uh, ThursdayNightTailgate.com or at blogtalkradio.com slash Thursday night tailgate. That's all one word. I'm downloading that one. Those people are going to be my new friends. Yeah, they're going to be your your new friends. I'm going to be their mom friend. That's right. You can you can be their mom friend. Um, You know, it's it's interesting to hear the dichotomy amongst the podcast today. Don't forget, you can submit your podcast. Uh, You if you have a show and you listen to this and you say, "Man, I know a podcast that's better," even if it's not yours, let us know. The week in podcasting at gmail.com. That's the week in podcasting at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes. And uh, next week, we'll be coming out a day earlier. We've been uh, promoting the show on Thursdays or releasing the show on Thursdays. We're going to do that a day earlier due to Thanksgiving. Also, speaking of Halloween, and just to give you a raccoon update, while this podcast was going on, I sent Snuffleupagus out in the backyard. And I told him that he needed a weapon with him in case the raccoon had like rabies or something. And so he grabbed, um, we have a costume box down here because obviously I podcast from my playroom and he grabbed out like a, a cane, <laughs> like a costume cane that he had used on Halloween. <laughs> to look. Nice. I was Very like, smooth. okay, good luck out there. See you later. So the, so the next uh, clip that we'll play is Mr. Bojangles and the <laughs> raccoon. Yeah. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like a scene out of Family Guy. That's all I'm picturing. <laughs> all right, keep sending in the submissions. The the weekend podcasting at gmail.com for Val Riley and Jeff Adams and for our executive producer Pod Vader. My name is Seth Everett. That's episode eleven. We'll see ya for a dozen. <laughs> see ya. See ya. Thank you.